though it's a motorcycle show, we talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. It's a 2005, and I still rip that thing. And the other dude didn't have anything to say, but it's nothing near what the internet would have you believe. The racing wasn't nearly as fun as just riding was for me. Racing was work. My name is Jimmy Lewis. I'm a washed-up ex-motorcycle racer telling you that you should uh, ride till you get old, uh, twist the throttle farther when you need more power, and maybe get a counter shocks on your bike because it'll give you more traction on the front wheel if that's what you're looking for. On this exciting episode, make that amazing episode of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, Nate Looney comes in and talks about the counter shocks, which is a very interesting device. Jimmy answers a lot of questions and you will get way more than you paid for. Live from Pahrump, Nevada, the Valley of the Dirt People, it's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday with your host, Jimmy Lewis. I go like this. Hey everybody, welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Hopefully the sound is coming through because this is harder than it looks sometimes. Cheers, it's a Tuesday night. We're doing it on Tuesday night tonight. I'm not sure why, because we call the show Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, even though it's a motorcycle show. We talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. My name is Jimmy Lewis. I'm your host. I answer most of the questions, like nine out of 10 questions that you ask me in our chat. And I give you honest, uh, real-world answers from somebody who has a lot of experience. That's it. And so tonight, we have joining us the maker of the counter shocks, Nathan Looney. And uh, his email is Looney Nathan. So, but I think his name is actually Nathan Looney. So uh, we'll bring him on in a few minutes here when I get everything rolling. Of course, uh, I was busy. I'm, I'm running around with my head chopped off, getting ready for this event I do called the Rebel Rally. So when I'm done with the show, I get to uh, go and drive for four hours so I can get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and ride about 200 miles. Dirt bikes. I'm going to ride my dirt bike uh, to verify and check some course stuff. So pretty cool. Um, well, hold on a second. Mr. Endo wants to uh, go live with me on the Instagram. So I'm going to see if this works. Because I just accepted that. Um, keep going. You can, you know, if you could come onto this show right now. Okay, good. There's a light. Okay, I'm accepting that. Let's see what's going to happen. Where are you? I. <laughs> this is the same thing that happened to that kid last week, which I think was actually a really hot chick. Um, let's see. If I push the live button, that doesn't do anything. I need someone in here that knows how to produce these kind of things. And uh, figure out, let's see. Yeah, so I don't know how it works. I don't see him on the screen. George, you're fired. You, you don't know how to make the internets work very well. You should, you should what you should do if you're watching on the, the grams is go on to Facebook, on Dirt Bike Techs, Test Facebook, or our YouTube channel. And if you are watching this in the future, like if you're from Australia and you're in the future, start doing the mean comments right away because I went through the comments and like, like good 30% of the comments on some of our videos all came from the, 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 the other side of the world. So like when we flush the toilet, it goes there, but evidently they're trying to give some back. So we got some pretty good comments on some of our videos 
So that's uh, that's what we're doing here on the show. Thanks for joining in. Uh, of course, this would not be possible. This is episode number 205 of Tech Talk Tacos Tuesday, brought to you by Yamaha, Taco Moto, Scott Sports, Climb, DDC, Trail Tech, Fast Company, Bulletproof Designs, and, of course, Double Take Mirrors. If you want to help support us, you can also click through our Amazon and Rocky Mountain MC links, which are available on our website. Just go to the Support Us button, click there. If you're going to make a purchase over at um, Rocky Mountain MC ATV, by the way, I a couple of people are asking me about my pipe on my KTM 300. They're like, what kind of pipe is that? And it's one of their Lex pipes. Uh, so if you're looking for a pipe and you're having supply issues with some of the other guys, which uh, I for sure was, and I really wanted a stock replacement just because I really like the way the stock pipe works on that bike. Uh, that fit the bill. So uh, something to check out over there. Of course, if you're looking at some of our modified 450 off-road shootout and you see some of the stuff that Trevor did to those bikes, you can get a lot of that stuff over at uh, Rocky Mountain MC ATV. And if you click through our link, then uh, it doesn't cost you anything. We get a little share. It helps me keep doing this. And... Uh, that way, we can. Uh, I'm I'm going live with uh, Mr. Endo here. I'm trying, and I don't know why he doesn't come on the screen. Maybe there's another button I have to push. Do I have to give a happy face? I don't know. That doesn't work. No, that's a that's a mood. I can I can do something else. Uh, you can see the front of my computer screen now. That doesn't work. Uh, wait, something else popped up when I just did that. Three. Let's see. Dirt but in this room. Oh, invited. Yeah, so there's a room someplace. Now what do I got to do? I don't know. Uh, invited. You're invited. I don't know what else you can do. Maybe there's a someplace where there's a there's a virtual room going on, and I have no idea <laughs> what it is. So anyways, uh, Jesse G just saw the Rebel Rally stickered Ford Bronco on the 95 north of Vegas today. Uh, there will be... 65 of those not broncos necessarily but 65 uh, competitors in this thing and it's an all women's off-road navigation rally uh they do everything by map and compass and my job is i'm the course director i uh i help figure out where they're going to go and then run checkpoint crews and things like that so that's my thing facebook user says also been a while since i've been watching so forgive me if you've talked about it what's your thoughts on the new Enduro Pro models from Husky or KTM Hard Enduro Editions bikes versus regular models. I don't know because I haven't ridden them yet. Um, you, generally, when KTM does like a, a Pro or you know factory edition model, it's bling stuff. It's stuff that you um, look at more than makes a difference. Sometimes the, the triple clamp uh, is altered. Uh, they usually don't do on the motocross bikes. They're, they're released a half a year before the regular model. So they'll, they'll do like a 2000 and it'd be a 2024. I don't even know how they do it now. It's, it's, so they would release the 2024 and a half and then, then they would make the 2025, but on the off-road bikes, they've just been releasing ones that have different color combos i think on some of the some of the huskies some of the components were a little bit different like the brakes and everything but i i don't pay attention to every single thing you're getting the basically the same bike so uh i yeah like when beta does a 
an RR edition, it's different suspension components. And some of the other manufacturers have taken this to a different level, like Honda with their their CR CR450 um, Works Edition. They actually had different mapping inside of it, slightly different cam, I think. And I knew it had an exhaust system. I remember. Every bike is different. It's hard for me to remember all the specifics. You know, in Kawasaki, I haven't ridden their SR, but evidently that's uh, changed a little bit. So, yeah. Um, I don't know the specifics, but it really kind of depends on what you're doing and what you want to do with it. If it's going to be better or not, uh, generally they look a little bit different and... Uh, that's what's going on. Um, I don't know how to do your request to be live. So if you want to be live, you can call into the show later because I've got a guy that I've got to text right now. And then as soon as I text that guy, uh, we can. Let's see here. I got to text that guy. Where? How do I text this guy? Which text is it? <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, here, here. Text. Okay. Call in any time. There we go. So now I have to plug him in when he gets called in. I'll plug this in here. But that means I have to hang up on you Instagrammers. Um, since Instagram is such an instant thing, I will uh, see you in the near future. And we will, uh, yeah, come on to the live show, ask questions over there. If you ask questions, they were scrolling up on a screen that I couldn't see. And sorry. And now, bye. Okay, share. Here we go. Now I have to plug this in here to make this work here. And I go like that. And uh, welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Let me uh, make sure the volume is okay. Um, I think it is. So am I right? The name is Nathan Looney. Yeah, yeah, it's not Looney Nathan, although I've been called Looney for a long time. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah. the funny thing was is your email is Looney Nathan, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, I got it. I got some of it right. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, did, did, yep. Yep. did we meet at the at the AIM show last year? Yeah, yeah, you were walking around with uh, Mike and uh, checking out. Uh, checking out the stuff at AIM, and yeah, we we talked quite a while, and you you kept side eyeing the uh, <laughs> side eyeing the counter shock, and uh, you know, uh, was glad to see you wanted to try it. So. Well, it's it's interesting. I have some experience with this in a couple of different forms, mostly on a, on a supermoto bike on on but on the rear swing arm is is where it was attached, right. and so. Uh, basically the counter shock is a, it's a, well, how would you describe it? Like what is, what's the, your technical term for what you call it? Well, there's some people, uh, and, and it's not exactly technically correct. Uh, it's been called a, a, a uh, inertial damper is one, one other name for it. Um, that's other people have called it a tuned mass damper. Each of those things have have a very specific definition. Um, this this actually doesn't fit exactly either of those definitions. Um, you know, part of the the difference is the uh, like a tuned mass damper doesn't really have a bottoming component. Um, and this, the, you know, uh, for people that don't know, it it weighs a pound and a half, and there's weight in there moving around, and when it does bottom it it makes a 
you know, it causes a particular reaction. Um, but most of the time it's just in there resonating, uh, against what, uh, vibrations and trying to stay in place basically. So, so calling it an inertial damper is correct. It is, it's really close. Um, it, it, you know, if you were to look up the exact definition, it's not quite, and it's not quite a tuned mass damper. It's something kind of in between. Right. So, so I've, um, it's funny because I, I talk about when I teach riding techniques and stuff like that. You know, when I tell people that when you stand up, in theory, you kind of, you can technically lower the center of gravity by standing up. It's not really the truth. So, so all of a sudden there's, there's things like polar moment of inertia and all this other physics stuff that I don't understand in, like if you're going to put it on numbers and stuff, I can kind of draw it out mm -hmm. on a chart. I could, I could draw a diagram and give you an idea and somebody will say, oh, that's this and and it's it's a cross between okay polar moment of inertia divided by you know the I'm like whoa so the all things aside it's essentially a, a it's a fixed cavity with a weight that oscillates oscillates up and down inside of that cavity yes exactly and is it, uh yeah and you know the, it had to there was a lot of sort of engineering because uh, you know you couldn't if it doesn't move enough, it it's basically becomes dead weight. Um, if it moves too much, it, it's in there slopping around and making noise. Um, it, it also can create an out of phase situation. If you were to build one that was way too uh, way too soft, uh, it, it 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 could actually do the opposite uh, at times. Could amplify what you the, it to do. Yeah. So, right. Right. So um, you know there there was a lot of. Uh, lot of data that we collected and and went back and forth trying to pull in on exactly what frequencies we were trying to attenuate so so inside of it i mean i don't know you're you're, you're it's a patent pending item yes. and so so describe it a little bit more it's a it's it's clamped to the fork and it's so it's a tube it's essentially a tube a solid tube that has a a, a a weight inside of it that moves around and it's clamped to the fork so that so the clamping mechanism is you know fixing it to the fork and then this damper kind of rides free inside of there and the idea is is when you you know hit a bump and the and the the fork accelerates in one direction that weight goes the opposite direction and then as it you know it, it goes and it holds itself up there and then when the fork starts returning the weight shifts to the other direction and dampens the the kind of the 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 opposite direction Right, it does, it does, uh, but you know this stuff is happening at a at a really, you know, high rate um, as as you're doing it. Um, another thing that that's a little different about the way that I think most people think about this is most impacts obviously are coming, you know, you're you're going down towards the ground or the ground's coming up at you. Um, this also works the other way. Like, say you were to wheelie over a log. And as you do that, you know, when you hit the log with your rear wheel, it's going to try to snap the front end down really hard. And, and it'll actually catch a small portion of that on the upstroke and do the same kind of damping that it does on the downstroke. Interesting. So if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it does. And, and I remember when it was, um, when it was, uh, being done, um, on the rear and what it was really counteracting there was the, the rear wheel chatter that, that you were getting. And it was kind of 
previous to them really understanding the the the, the effect of a slipper clutch because a slipper clutch could take some of that away because basically your yeah, wheel is uh-huh. trying to skid and then it skids enough to when the back end's getting light so it actually skids enough to 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 take the wheel off the ground and then it would start hopping and then the suspension would kind of get into that oscillation where now the spring of the tire and the weight of the swing arm and the wheel you know unsprung weight so it, it was it was kind of counteracting the the unsprung weight doing things you didn't necessarily want it to do and so this is yeah. i mean there's there's some of that with the unsprung weight of the front wheel and the lower forks that are you know going it's probably going in out of phase in the opposite direction of those correct Yes, it is. Yeah. And and so all technical aside, it's funny because I, I watched something. I watched another video this week that was somebody explaining something else that I wasn't super familiar with. And they, they started getting into the weeds on it. And I was like, oh, I want to understand that. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know enough about it to do it. But I'll tell you what. So I I saw it. I had some experience. I remember talking to you. I asked you a few questions. I remember you you guys were really heavy on um you were promoted it to like the 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 peewee you know um mini bike riders and stuff and or at least that's it was, yeah. it was on that bike and and a lot of your literature i think um talked about that and and uh and then you know kind of like learning right we we've we've still uh we're, we're still kind of working towards that we actually have quite a few of them made and we'll be uh we'll be releasing those in the next couple weeks um but yeah, we've uh, we've been you know trying to get them prepared for the uh, 65s and 85s. Um, you know they're a little bit little bit lighter, um, so we had you know changed some of the stuff internally, and obviously the fork clamps are are smaller, and we're trying to make sure that you know we make a clamp that that will fit on as many bikes as possible. Um, but you know the best part about the the kids stuff is kids are and adults are horrible at it but kids are even worse at giving you feedback you, they they <laughs> yeah. don't know what what you're doing they you know is that better or is that worse but you know after riding with this device attached to your bike it in putting it from bike to bike and not really seeing a, a drawback in almost any situation you know that you can put it on your kid's bike and it's going to improve it um right so- you know i had the <clears throat> So I'll I'll, te- I'll tell you just so so I you know I saw you popped into the chat once or something and asked if we were interested in trying I said yes absolutely uh, sent one out finally got it on the bike uh, a couple weeks ago uh, put it on did some really quick back to back just clamped it onto a Yamaha WR250 clamped it on rode a little bit took it off put it back on took it off and I'm like oh yeah I remember this feeling and right away and i know there's in our chat is uh troy hicks who who is definitely a believer in this because he loves his and talks about it um and so straight away you could feel it doing something and the the interesting thing was is it just to me it just feels like more traction it it and i was trying to um think figure out how i would explain this and and so there's certain things you do to your bike to make it more comfortable and i do a lot of them uh number one i put flex handlebars on pretty much every bike that i own that i ride mm-hmm. and i have bad wrists and the shock that comes through more so the chassis than just the forks but you know if you if you have a kind of a stiffer fork setting or a fork that isn't doesn't not really plush it goes up into your hands and and affects that and if you start 
tuning the fork to the point where it's mushy, you know, where, where you get rid of some of that, then you lose handling character. And, and so, right. so, so, okay. So I put the flex bars on my bikes. The other thing I do is I put steering dampers on my bikes. I uh, run the Scott steering damper most of the time. It's, it's just the one that I find is the, the best all around. And that really doesn't have anything to do with kind of up and down. That's more of the side to side. And, right. and because it, especially when the high speed kicks in and it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, deflect it, it absorbs better if you know what I mean. Instead, it's so, so the fork actually, you can run a stiffer fork and damper does some things. And so another thing I do a lot of times is, you know, mostly for, for say, you know, for, um, I want to call it for safety, just for not getting flats. I run a moose. And so the moose has a certain characteristic that dampens a certain way and, and doesn't deflect like an air tube and a pneumatic tube would and different things. So there's all these different things you can do. And the one way I would describe this is, and if somebody wants to know what it feels like, if you've ever gone from a tube to a moose and the bike gets that sort of dead feeling in the front end, it does. I want to say some of that, I want to call it like maybe 70% of that kind of feeling, but which is a, which is a good feeling right until the point where the moose, you know, moose doesn't, it feels kind of mushy and you don't get that real responsive steering, which you don't get with the inertial damper. So if, if there's way to describe what it does and somehow it's just in, and I, I saw the chart that you sent me and I'll ask a question about that in a little bit. I saw that the, it, it's basically on the return. It, it returns quicker. Like if, if, you know, if you, the suspension re, you know, compresses and then rebounds down, it, it goes to what we would call like a static position, like a neutral position without oscillating a little bit. And it does that quicker is and that's, that's kind of what you guys are finding. Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be, I'd say accurate. Um, you know, another thing to, to kind of think about when you, when you think about the, the weight coming down at the exact moment that your fork is coming up, uh, it would be kind of like if you were riding along and you saw a small log and you didn't want the bike to deflect off of it. So you kind of push the bike, the forks down as you hit it so that it doesn't pop up at you, mm-hmm. you know, not like a big bump and, but it's doing that for you. You know, um, so it's but it's doing that on, you know, every bump that you see and don't see. Um, And it just it causes the, uh, you know, the bike to. uh, So another uh, I'll just kind of explain one other uh, test that we had ran. And this actually was just surprising that it it showed up in the data. It was uh, we set up like a, a, a 10 minute hair scramble course and went out and rode it. And uh, in that 10 minutes, the bike topped out 63 times, which, you know, who knows how many times I've never counted something like that before. Uh, but then we put the counter shock on and went out and rode the same loop. And we only topped out 20 times in the exact same loop, same rider. And then we went back and forth. And that was the case almost all the time that, and so what that actually told us is it, all those small bumps causes your front end to actually rise up above natural sag. And so what this is doing is is it's an impulse going down for each of those small bumps. 
and that impulse keeps you right at natural sag instead of above it so that you are what you know you always hear the term in the stroke uh in suspension well yeah. you're already in the stroke so you don't end up feeling like you have this huge dive when you hit the brakes when you hit a bump it doesn't feel like there's a there's a bunch of like you know movement because it's it's keeping it just right at your normal natural sag yeah that sounds that 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 sounds like what i'm feeling kind of kind of when you're riding and you talk about when you talk about like riding up that log and you know you compress down the reason you compress down is so that it springs up and then you get you know you get full extension of the stroke as opposed to riding into it kind of packed. And they talk about suspension right. packing. You know, if you just rode straight into it, you're 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 going to pack. But if you lighten the front end, then well, hopefully the you know if you if it's a little log, you don't have to lift it up. But if it if it's, if it's enough, you want it to be up so that it doesn't just smack into something. And that's the that's right. the kind of the riding uh, side of it. So so what what I'm going to do is we have this um, uh, uh, this device called the MotoClick, which is a it's a you can mount it onto the the bike and it uh, data records data logs the suspension and so i'm actually uh-huh. when i get back uh i'm going to hook it up and actually start looking at probably similar to the charts that you have to so i can mm-hmm. actually see what it's doing but there's there's no doubt and where this really seems to work for me is when you're on rocky like kind of, you know, lots of sharp square hits, like rocky kind of stuff that would deflect the front end or, you know, kind of cause it to, to transmit, um, you know, the bumps through the thing. If you're in sand, you, you're not really, I don't think you really feel it as much. Although when I wrote. No, there's not. Sand and mud is not really its yeah. forte. Uh, yeah. yeah. When, I, when I, like I said, when I wrote it in the softer train, I couldn't, I couldn't really, I didn't notice it as much. But if you, if you are in soft and then, so we have the sand track that goes from sand to hard, and then back to sand. It's kind of like where dunes have blown in, and we get these curbs right out of the right out of the sand. And I tell you, there's a place where it's sand, cur- couple curbs and sand. Like all of a sudden, you really notice it. I mean, it's like in in the sand, you maybe don't, <laughs> but but on the mm-hmm. on the hard pack. And then when you're going like the probably the best thing that I that I that. I think it does, and this is a big problem out here, is we have the UTV bumps, which are these, they're like mini hoops. Because the tires are smaller in the way that they build them. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's just chatter. And it's horrible on a bike. And it took, so the difference between a tube and a moose on that stuff is, and it's it's really good at destroying mooses, by the way. It'll, it'll, it'll wear out a moose oh, yeah. quicker than you know. But the, the, difference when i was riding across the utv bumps was pretty huge um so definitely definitely noticeable because it's it just i mean they they were still horrible <laughs> but now i'm riding it well, and, I'm, and i'm going i want one of these things on my rear wheel because <laughs> because the right, front right. wheel the front wheel generally in this the front wheel is all over the place it's trying to get it's trying to move it's 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 not it's not tracking properly and the rear wheel feels pretty good and then you're kind of on the gas to 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 lighten up the front and you know kind of plow through these things and with this thing you with the counter shocks you could you know just drive through it normally and now you now you notice how loose the rear is which is never was never the case before so (laughs) so 
um, yeah, and and having I'm run, just out here creating problems for you. Yeah, <laughs> and having having run one on a on a swing arm before, I'm kind of going like, I wonder if that would. Now, do I need one on both ends? <laughs> you know, who knows? So, uh, well, that's definitely an idea that we've uh, we've we will be putting some effort into pretty soon. Uh, but you know, we haven't we haven't really attacked attacked that just yet. Um, you know, there's a lot to a lot to look at with the uh with the front end so um we're also working on a on a device uh we've we've actually sent out some prototypes for uh downhill mountain bikes um and uh and an enduro mountain bikes so uh, yeah. and getting some pretty good feedback from uh some pretty big players in the game there yeah so and i don't i think these things have been run uh in I I know it, like I said I've tested different devices with this before I think that these things have been around and and just out of sight before, um, so. And well, I I other than the swing arm thing that I've seen, uh, I I mean there's a lot of stuff that looks like it. You know that mm -hmm. a lot of people think that they're they're getting a a sub tank or something to that effect. Uh, right. But you know obviously it's not piped into the fork at all and it's, it's doing a. The, the ones it's doing the, a different job. Uh, yeah. the, the ones that I saw, you couldn't see; <laughs> they were not visible. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's okay. it's not it's 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 like I said, you know, even on my truck, you know, my truck has a big bell shaped weight that's that's you know on right. on the frame, and it's something similar. It's different, but it's something similar to this. Well, they have one that goes in a shotgun uh, hand uh, stock. To, to keep it from kicking so hard yeah and it's a similar uh concept so can i ask uh what your what's your background and how did you kind of come to this <laughs> well uh my background isn't isn't in any kind of uh engineering but um i i've been you know carpenter for a long time but uh i've also been racing Oh, I've raced double A in Kansas, which is probably like saying I race A in anywhere else, but, uh, in, uh, for since 2000, um, and you know, I, I've always, you know, tinkered with stuff and tried things that, you know, nobody else had tried before, you know, I, I, I'm sure everybody's tried putting by now anyhow, and I was doing this a long time ago, putting tennis balls in your tires to see if that had worked before there was ever, you know, any of that kind of stuff. You know, you, you I, I was always and, you up and for Scott, you and Scott Summers' dad, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's good company, I guess. Um, oh yeah. But uh, yeah, so but yeah, I actually uh, you know kind of had this idea. I actually uh, had carpal tunnel surgery. And, you know, I couldn't feel my three fingers and, you know, that was, uh, it made it, made it difficult to ride and, you know, try to push and, you know, can't feel your hand, can't feel the brake, can't feel the gas, you know. And, uh, I, you know, I just kind of was thinking, what, what, what could I do? And I actually built a prototype in my garage and, uh, you know, it, it was ugly and huge and, you know, and it didn't work as good as what we have, but, you know, I could feel the concept almost immediately. And it's like, okay, so I got to work on shrinking this, making it look good and seeing if I can figure out, you know, I want to technically know exactly what's going on here. So, uh, you know, I kind of reverse engineered myself really, uh, to, to see, uh, you know, all the different things and kind of taught myself a lot about, uh, 
uh, along with a good friend of mine uh, about what was going on with frequencies and all that. So can you can you talk about what's inside of it? What what's that inside? So, of yeah, it? what's inside of it? Is it is it oil dampened? Well, what I would what I would call it is uh, it's actually more like a piston mm-hmm. than what you would think. Uh, it's not. It's not just weight slinging around in there. There's some really close tolerances. So as it's going up and down, it's actually catching a certain amount of air at the bottom and the top as it hits, um, you know, keeping it from, from you know, hitting down really hard. Yep. But at the same time, if, it, if it's, uh, you know, going through, if it's too tight and not letting enough air by, you know, you're, you're going to end up, uh, it, it's going to be almost like dead weight. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of playing with, uh, with getting that gap just right. And, uh, and the strength of, you know, the, the, the pieces in there. Are there, so, are there, sp- are there you know, sp- springs in it? Yes, there are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's, yeah. it's sprung to a certain extent and then as extent right. and, and then we, and uses the air pressure to, to stop like bottoming resistance essentially. Right. Yep. And, you know, we, uh, we tried, a a hundred different off the shelf springs and ended up luckily in Kansas city where I'm from, uh, there's a, a spring manufacturer here and I was able to give them exactly the specs that I needed and came up with something that just works perfectly. So, uh, that that's pretty helpful, but yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to just buy these off the shelves unless you came to Kansas city and <laughs> got a hold of my spring guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine some of this. I mean, just in all the suspension testing and development I've been involved in, um, I've seen some crazy, crazy stuff. And so, you know, now you look at like what, you know, off-road trucks are doing with bypasses and stuff like this. And a lot of that stuff's been tried in, in, on motorcycles. Cause like some of the, some of the best shock technicians come from the dirt bike world, especially, you know, especially, um, you know, whether it's off-road or motocross, supercross stuff, because we're asking so much of such a small, compact, you know, high-performance unit. And and then when you can all of a sudden get things with bigger size and volume and, and all this crazy stuff. So it, I, I'm, I'm, I can only imagine the different things that you've done inside. And just even talking, I start thinking about some of the things that I've tried before. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that, you know, you start thinking about, okay, what if it was adjustable and you know, how, what if it, what if it had longer travel and all these different, you know, these different parameters that could be involved in that. But that, yeah, that was, that was something else that I, that I initially built into the, to the design of it. Um, but I, but I found that basically once, once you have the right frequency, you can make it worse, but you really can't make it better. Hmm. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, because all you do when you like, let's say you were to preload that spring that's in there, you know, too much. Well, as soon as you do that, you're, you're limiting its range and it's doing less of of the job that it did. Uh, you know, and having zero preload on it gives it, you know, makes it, you know, it, it's like, well, there's really not a reason to have that adjustment that I've, that I can tell. And I, and I, and I know you don't want a bottoming out. (laughs) <laughs> or topping out no like no, in a, it, in, a, it, in, a in a hard you, way in a clank right yeah yeah well you know when i like i said initially i had uh i i was using as many whatever springs i could find off the shelf and you know i worked with two different spring companies then 
their spring engineers and they told me, yeah, these springs are exactly this weight and they will never break on you. They won't do anything. They'll do this. They'll do that. And then, you know, and this was literally the first probably 50 that I put out, which we're at closer to 800 now. So, but that first 50 and, you know, three months later, I'm having friends call me because that's pretty much all it had at that point. It was like, hey, uh, this thing makes a clacking sound. I was like, uh, bring it over. Let me look at it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's broken. But the springs we have at this point, they'll last forever. They'll yeah. last as long as the bike does. Awesome. Well, straight away, I could, like I told you when I talked to you, I'm pretty impressed with it. Um, it's it's doing it's definitely doing something. I know everybody's just afraid of putting weight up under their handlebars. And the other thing I was going right. to say is it has a little bit of a steering damper effect uh, in you know in the in the steering plane side to side. It does do something there. Don't know whether it's a hundred percent good until it's really bad. You know, like if it really gets deflected because I rode it on a bike with a damper and without a damper, and I I noticed it. Uh, so, but like I said, I, I want to definitely do, do some further testing, um, kind of see, see if I can see what I'm, what I'm feeling and just have a better ability to describe it. And I want to do some real controlled testing where I, you know, I don't want to ride, sure. I don't want to ride it with a moose. I don't want to ride it with a steering damper. I don't want to ride it with flex handlebars. I just want to bolt it onto a kind of a stock motorcycle with a, with an air tube and then do some stuff like overpressurize a little bit and see, you know, kind of see how it responds and, and, and where it responds. And so, uh, right. so a couple of things, if somebody's listening, um, we're talking about this, it's a device called the counter shocks. Where can people find out about it? Um, well, if you, uh, can spell counter shocks with an X, uh, and, uh, you can just Google it and you'll probably come to my website cause I made up the word and uh, there's pretty much nothing else like it. So, uh, yeah, you can go to countershocks.com. Uh, and uh, and then I also have a, a, a Instagram, which is uh, counter underscore shocks because somebody has that that is not using it, but uh, <laughs> the actual counter shocks. But uh, uh, anyway, and uh, then I have a, a Facebook page also. So we're uh, we're hoping in the next in the very near future to have a, a couple distributors, but I'm not really uh, gonna sort of talk to talk about it just yet because get it yeah, uh, get it I feel like we're on a bit of a holding pattern. Yeah, yeah. So, but I am you know open to and looking for uh, distributors. I'm hoping to be in. Uh, you know, Rocky Mountain parts unlimited, those kind of places pretty soon. So cool. Well, like I said, I'll, uh, I'll, like I said, I got it. It was, I liked it so much. I took it. So I'm riding a, a KTM 500 um, when I'm doing my coursework for the Rebel Rally. I took it off of, I had my KTM 300. I took it off my KTM 300 and moved on to my 500 because A, I can get more time on it. It's a lot of riding on kind of dual sporty uh you know adventure roads stuff like that some rocky terrain and i'm like well it, it was and it, it worked good enough to me to put it on another bike it's working you know and and plus like i said more testing so hey thanks for uh, coming on and i'll sure i'll talk to you in the near future and um, maybe we'll share some information with you when we uh when we kind of start wrapping yeah i'd this love thing to I'd love to hear your i'd love to hear your feedback and uh i appreciate you letting me uh letting me come on and uh We'll, uh, hopefully you'll have a good race this weekend. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not racing. I don't race anymore. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a, no, 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 you're, you're putting on the race. Oh, putting hopefully on a race. you don't screw it oh. up for those girls. No, it's, it's a, it's a week and a, <laughs> it's a week and a half long event. So. No, oh, wow. I, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a, they're, it's the longest off-road event in the United States. 
So rebel rally. So cool. Well, hey, thanks for uh, calling in, and uh, we will uh, see you out in the trail, Nate. Okay. Okay. Thank you. See you. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was uh, Nathan Nate. Nate Looney from Countershocks. I'm, I'm bad with names. I can't remember names and I just talked to somebody. <laughs> so uh, so we should have a review up on that at some point in the future, but not right away because uh, unlike most uh, influencers, because we're not, uh, we don't just grab something and go, yay, it's great, and then write something about it without fully testing something, especially when something's new, newer, newer technology. And as much as the, the device works, it's like how is the clamping, which... I've clamped on two, three different bikes now, and it, it's holding. It's not doing anything funny there. It's easy to take on and off for back-to-back testing, although once you get it on, I don't think you'd want to turn it off. But anyways, go to just Google search Countershox, C-O-U-N-T-E-R-S-H-O-X. Uh, I threw it up there in the chat. If you're uh, curious, and we have a lot of people in the chat that have, you know, talked about this, and I, I think the, the untapped market for that is sort of this... Uh, you know, dual sport adventure type rider because it's, it's really comforting. But then like, if you, if you want better front end traction when you're racing, there's no problem there. It, and it's one of these things, if it, if it works, you'll start seeing uh, a lot of people uh, begin using. I know we have a few people in the chatter, the chitter chatters that have uh, said they've been running them since they came out and um, really noticeable and co- cobbly uh, terrain says John Shoamarmir. John Shoa Shorari Shorari. Sho- no, there's no R. Show. Uh, I wish Logan was here to help me pronounce some of these names. Uh, do listeners get a twenty percent discount? Says uh, Chris Schnowit. Um, I don't know. I didn't didn't go there yet. <laughs> um, so. I'm going to go back on the question. Uh, there was a question that I missed earlier, and it was a it was a good one. But I'm going to see if I can. I can't scroll on this for some reason. My uh, screen doesn't work very well. So I'm going to go to John Bailey's question. 2007 CR450X Recluse Radius X Clutch Issues? Question um, mark. Okay, what? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've put them in 2007. I've had them in uh, older Honda CR450Xs. I had it. That was one of the original bikes that we tested some of the Radius Xs in. And it was, I left it in the bike for a long time until we started using the one that I had as as a rental bike. And we wanted to have a real clutch in it for the schools. So I didn't have any issues with them. Uh, John, maybe you can explain um, what's going on. Oh, and Chris says that discounts on the counter shocks. Oh, well, I'll, I'll give you a discount on the show. You can have it for 20% less than you're paying for it right now. Hopefully that helps out. By the way, no 20% discounts for my sponsors for, you know, on them paying me because I need it all. Uh, Yamaha Blue Crew. Uh, I am. Let's see. I'm a Tenere rider. Tenere T7. I've uh, been doing, actually, I've been doing some shock testing on the Tenere for Tour Tech on some pretty new stuff um, and trying to smooth out my throttle. And I have a question later about that. But if you're looking for the best all around adventure bike, in my personal opinion, uh, Yamaha Tenere T7 is your go to for that. 
Also, tonight we will not be doing Takamoto's Rooster Endo because I didn't have time to organize it, and we only have a few submissions, and that means that the uh, the pot is getting bigger, so it's going to be like a huge bonus round of uh, Rooster Endo when we finally get to that. Uh, Takamoto, takamoto.co if you're looking for parts for your bike especially if you're on a ktm husky gas gas uh even the honda sierra 450 l and x they have a lot of stuff for that uh check them out at takomoto.co and if you have questions uh they are really good about getting back to you so if, if i can't answer your question and if it's if it's really specific to one of those actually any bike that they know about they know the answer they're dealing with this on every once in a while and Gregory Edinger says, are you still on board with Shawari? Yes, I am, Gregory. Uh, they've been a longtime sponsor of my off-road riding school. By the way, that's www.jimmylewisoffroad.com. And uh, if you want to take a class, email me. It's easy. My name at my website, which is www.jimmylewisoffroad.com. Go there. Our schedule is announced. Our October class is starting to fill out. If you think that you will not learn something at my class. I will make you a bet. I will uh, I will give you a money-back guarantee. And all you have to do is email me. I'll explain how that works. And uh, you can come and be a better rider. It will be the best $1,250 or $1,500 that you spend on yourself. It's almost like going to counseling, but you'll become a better motorcycle rider. And everybody goes, well, why does it cost so much? It's like, you should see my insurance bill. I'm basically giving this class away. Actually, I work for a long time before I make any money because <laughs> of insurance. Thank you very much. Um, climb. I packed up a bunch of bitchin' climb gear today to go ride the Rebel Rally because I know we're going to be in freezing cold temperatures when we start, and then we're going to be down in super hot temperatures when we end. And climb has the gear that has the versatility to make me comfortable all the time. Okay, Ryan, I'm going to get to your question about JIS versus U.S. Phillips screws and which brands they are on besides Yamaha. JIS is slightly different profile and the proper type for carb screws and master cylinder screws. So this is something for um, maybe someone that's more familiar with the tool industry than myself. I will tell you that I have a lot of tools and I know that some tools don't fit in certain if i put a phillips screwdriver in there and it's that narrow angled pointy one and it doesn't grab the sides i don't try to spin it or if you put the fat one in there and it doesn't go in i don't try to spin it i know i have both of these different types of screwdrivers someplace in my in my toolbox um it's just the same as you know sa versus metric and or you know phillips versus torque versus whatever there's so many different kind of things and specialty stuff out there I'm not aware of which manufacturer is using which kind of screws, but uh, just try to use the right the right tool. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there there are. So I've I've always had Craftsman tools. Um, I I had them when I was younger, and then now they're harder to get, and I think they're frankly junky now. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of stuff that used to be pretty durable, uh, but. There's some, you know, and yeah, I use some Harbor Freight stuff and I don't have much snap on, but I've found snap on at swap meets, <laughs> different things. 
So, yeah, a bunch of different tools and just try to use the uh, right tool. Let's see. Stephen Stanton says, how do you submit a pick for Rooster Endo? You send us an email um, and you tell us a little bit about your bike. So it, it it's really it's about how much enjoyment we get out get out of uh, profiling your bike here. We like a good photo. We like some good information. You don't have to give us a we used to call it Roost Endo for sale because people are trying to sell their bikes and getting free advertising for it. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So still on board with Shirari. We, you can submit to submit to email through dirt bike test for Rooster Endo. We answered the Phillips head screw and Eduardo Rose Rojas says Suzuki DR650 for a dual sport bike. What do you think? 50, 50. Thanks. I honestly think if you're looking for a true 50-50 dual sport 650, that is probably the best one. And the only thing it needs, the only thing it needs is a bigger gas tank. It gets pretty good fuel efficiency, but we used to put these Acherby's, um five, five and a half gallon tanks on those things and take them down to Baja. And not racing, not trying to go fast, just trying to really enjoy the ride. You, you can't get a better performance for cost for durability for that's a that's a great a great bike uh the klr 650 kind of comes with some extra stuff but the performance isn't quite there you go to the honda 650l you get yeah kind of a a funky package it's not as it's not as comfortable suzuki's low it's it's just very comfortable easy bike i think it's better than the you know the much more expensive bmw and ktms in that in that kind of zone what it's just a we did a dual sport shootout at cycle world magazine back in i want to say 90 something or other that bike hasn't changed it won (laughs) so that's um that's uh all i know dave donnelly says since skyler and ricky are on hrc any chance they're coming on the podcast soon well i don't know about skyler because i haven't talked to him but ricky uh will I what I do is I when I when I work with Ricky with navigation stuff I always kind of schedule it to start on a on a Wednesday morning or we ride Tuesday and I make him stay here on Tuesday night and he just gets suckered into it and then he usually has tries to sell a bike or two on Roost Endor for sale <laughs> so uh, um, we'll see uh, there's some plans to do some training but they they they're actually over in Morocco right now um, getting ready for a rally and they do big trainings as a team and stuff now so we only work on when there's some specific stuff that they need to work on so don't know um, about ready to call bolt proof designs because I need some radiator guards for my Yamaha WR450 so if you need radiator guards or chain guide chain um, guide protectors or um, billet different billet piece like their new billet throttle uh, check out bulletproof designs for all of your protection needs uh, they actually and they sell a lot of other stuff too so if you're they're getting some radiator guards like I'm going to be you can click around and find some other things on their website as well so check that out I'm going to hit the questions uh, that we have from the show and Trevor just released a new 450 uh, video comparison. So they did a modified, they took all of our off-road 450s. We did a stock 450 comparison and now he's gone and done some slight modifications, modified them for Grand Prix racing and put the video up there where he wrote the whole script and he read it. He read the whole script 
from beginning to end. So the thing he's done for you is you don't have to read the test that's up on Dirt Bike Test. You can just watch the video and Trevor reads it for you. So if you need a good bedtime story and you like motorcycles, you want to have good dreams about your next 450 off-road bike, Trevor will read you the 450 comparison bedtime story. But it's been up on the internet for a little while and we have some questions. Go P Hop says it would have been interesting to see how the old KTM chassis in the mix. See the old KTM chassis in the mix. Um, well, KTM probably doesn't think the old KTM chassis is as good as the new KTM chassis. <laughs> so, um, and we're comparing apples to apples, which are all brand new bikes. And there are definitely some people that for some reason think that the old chassis is better than the new chassis. I can't tell you because I haven't ridden it. So, and KTM actually didn't even give us a bike for that comparison. We used the, um, one of the, our vet riders bikes as the bike in that. And, the, and when we did the stock ones, we actually had a gas gas that was also another one of our riders. KTM has been, um, they're selling, well, they were up until now. It's not anymore. They were selling everything they produced, everything. And so at that point, and there's another question I got later. It says, Jimmy, how come you haven't ridden the Stark Varg? Well, right now, Stark Varg is selling everything that they can produce. So they are starting to go around and do the media tours and stuff. But I think that when companies are in this position, there's no reason to go look for press, good or bad. And I'm not at the front of the list, and Dirt Bike Test is not at the front of anybody's list because we tell it like it is. And... If there's anything that, you know, most of the guys now, it's just it's just all flowers and, and farts with the, the candy sprinkles in them and they're rainbows. And that, that's all you're that's all you're going to get. And not that it's not hard hitting, but most of these guys need to learn actually how to test something because they say, oh, this is great. And this is good. And this is great. And it's better. And, da, 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 and then they'll say, oh, and the seat's harder. And then and the and the foot pegs a little something and they're never going to. They don't even know how to place it because they just don't have the experience to do it. So why didn't we put the old KTM chassis in the mix? Well, if you, if I were Trevor, since he has some experience on that, maybe he could comment on the old one versus the new one. Or maybe if you looked at, I don't think we did an initial riding impression of that bike because we just brought it into the comparison. But in that, we would talk about the changes from the old one to the new. And from that, you can infer. And sometimes when we do comparisons, we say, hey, some people preferred this older design or, you know, people that are used to the old one, this is a big change. They've gone in a different direction. This is the, uh, this is the kind of the direction that, that we're going with that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah. And, uh, we don't have access to a lot of these bikes, especially old ones. And especially when old ones are old and they're not new, you know, you're not testing a new one. It's a different bike. Bikes wear a little bit and they act differently. And so you're not comparing apples to apples. And Gregory Edinger said, have you ever done a helmet light comparison or a headlight comparison? Well, we were supposed to work on some of that stuff uh, over the summer and somebody got busy. And so I don't know what happened with that. Uh, we did that at back at Dirt Rider, but man, has stuff changed since then? There's so much good stuff out there. Uh, and there's a lot of junk out there too. And some of the, some of the low price stuff is actually pretty good. Uh, but you just don't know what you're going to get. I've heard from some friends, 
especially since they're doing like things like the 24 hour that they buy two of the same things and they're not the same thing. So checking that, um, and road to race three R says top 10 uses for silicone spray. He's asking this in the chat. I like to use it on the zippers on my, uh, bags and backpacks and different things like that, uh, that, uh, that get sticky from dust and silt and dirt. Uh, it's a, it's really helpful there. Uh, another thing, uh, sometimes I will spray it underneath my fenders. If I'm going to go ride in a muddy condition, uh, it helps the mud fall off. And sometimes the mud sticks to it and then it dries up and you just hit your fender and it all falls off that and uh, silicone spray. And sometimes Pam, like a, like a nonstick, uh, pan pan, uh, you know, cooking oil will will do the same things, but silicone spray uh, does that stuff. So those are two that I can think off right off the top of my head. I'm going to move down to one more thing on the uh, 450 comparison. Andrew Disco says, "Great idea. Would love to see the same thing for the 250Fs. Not many areas are 450 friendly these days outside of SoCal." And a PDS chassis feels really stiff to me now. I think they went to a steeper angle with the shorter shock. Um, we've got a 300 that we're going to be testing, so I'll be able to tell you how that feels uh, when I get it. And because one of the things they said about the KTM is they think that the, the new XCW might be better than the XC for the feel, especially for the vet riders uh, that they were trying to get out of that. So... Um, good question, uh, Andrew. Uh, yeah, we'd love to do a 251 too, but uh, ask Trevor how much work it is. Because everybody thinks it's just like we get all these bikes and we just go ride them and then sit around and talk about them. I didn't even get a chance to ride them. <laughs> so I just had to read Trevor's script and then I edited it right after he recorded it. So none of the edits went in. So if he says something funny uh, or it's not described as good as it is in the written version... Uh, blame me. So on to the next one. Side wide 1999 says absolutely awesome video. I think most riders make some mods to their bikes and some small ones can make a big difference. It's great to see how these bikes compare as most people own them. Uh, so <clears throat> side wide, I, I've never been a big fan of doing modified comparisons because modifications are personal. And this is, this is where you can, and I really tried to steer Trevor in this direction and he, he did a good job with it is in the, in the, in the stock comparison, there were complaints. And so you, you focused on the complaints to make the modifications to kind of make that stuff go away. IE the bigger gas tanks on the bikes that we complained about the fuel tank size, uh, the suspension they tweaked on all of the different suspensions based on the the kind of the collective rider inputs. But I promise you that the settings that they came up with were not specific to some of the riders. And that may have adversely affected the, the bikes. I'm pretty sure they were um, specific to Trevor and Todd. <laughs> so um, and, you know, everybody has your own you have your own type of, um, you know, what you want kind of a feel you want and that's why you prefer a certain a certain bike and they, they go into pretty good detail on that in the comparison so but you know when when we start talking about like they put recluse clutches on some of them but not in others 
and I actually thought they should have put recluses on different ones. If I would have had, if I, you said, which one would you put the recluse on? I would have put it on a different one. I probably would have put it on whichever one I favored the most because I like them. And so, uh, those kind of things, uh, you know, same thing with, you know, steering dampers, uh, you know, flex bars. There's, there's, I, all the stuff I put on my bike, I'd want to put it on every single one of those bikes. I know it works and that's what I did on my WR and I wish I had the video done, but, uh, went on another job description on tech talk taco tuesday at fje8687 says rip a klr unlike any mortal dirt bike man oh uh, okay i have a video of me eh, ripping a klr <laughs> so we got a klr last year and i did um did a quick test of it i call it quick because it was only you know five, 600 miles. It wasn't the thousands that we like to put on stuff like that. So yeah, I did that. Thank you. Uh, black dog ADV says I took Jimmy's dirt bike class and he made me work hard to complete it. Great review. And he was talking about the cove when he wrote that. And I'm not sure why those two things go, but black dog AV, thank you for commenting on the video. And I'm sorry I made you work so hard. Actually, I'll tell you something about my school. I need to do a whole podcast on Better Rider about this because some some other some other school I won't even mention which one it was. They talk about their their Dakar heritage <laughs> and and the the history of of Dakar and, and, how, and all this stuff. And and I'm like thinking, you guys don't even you don't even. You don't even have an instructor. You, your instructor might have gone and watched Dakar. I, I know a school where a guy actually finished on the podium at Dakar. So he did advertising for me. So for that, I say thank you. Um, so if you want to learn from a washed-up ex-Dakar racer, come to Jimmy Lewis Off-Road. We have openings in October. Best money you could ever spend on modifying your dirt bike is to put a better rider on top of it. So just so you know, just so you know, tell a friend. It's, you know, your friend, here's, here's, here's what you need. You don't need to take the school. Cause I know you, know, you guys are really good riders and you don't really want to do like, it'd be weird to come and hang out with me for two days. And I, I, I don't clap when you fall over and say, you tried real hard. I go, dude, what happened? Like, let's not do that. I want you to, I want you to be safe, efficient, faster, relaxed. I want you to be able to ride your motors. All this crap I talk about on this show, like how I feel stuff on a motorcycle. If you're not riding properly, you're not going to feel any of this stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Dave Donnelly in the chat says, Honda is racing their new electric MX bike in the all-Japanese nationals. Trey Kennard is riding. Stark has just gone one step back. We won't know. We don't know. I wonder. So, the, the, the interesting thing is where these bikes are going to be allowed and what class they're going to be allowed to ride in. Cause it's not like a displacement. There are, there's a certain amount of power and I'm sure that Honda has some pull in the Japanese nationals to be able to race whatever their electric bike is. And, and I don't think they would do it if they didn't think it was competitive and it'll be interesting. It's really going to be interesting to see where this stuff goes. I'm not poo-pooing electric bikes. I, they are what they are. It's different. It's gonna, it's gonna, things are going to change because of this. And it's going, some's going to be the, for the better, and some's going to be for the worse. And until I actually ride 
bikes. I can't comment on how they work. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what um, what that does. I need to fix that box up in the corner because in the video, in the video, this box up here, I wonder if I can do this on the show live. So if you're watching this, I'm actually manipulating something here. I got a cursor in my hand. You know, the other thing I did that was really bad is I didn't start recording this show until halfway through that first stupid interview. Uh, my fault, not stupid interview. My, my, uh, not, <laughs> yeah, too many buttons to push here. So I know last week I tried to figure out how to, how to make it. Nope, that's that scroll right there. That's the socials. By the way, if you want to check us out, check us out on our social media, uh, you know, things. Like, I think it's Instagram and then Facebook and then YouTube. So um, those are all different places that you can check out dirtbiketest.com image. Is this, is this the image? No, that's that's that. And then there's audio output, which I don't think I want to touch that. And there's browser. There it is. Browser. So if, there, I've turned it off and I turn it on. Now I got to get it and bring it back in here. Let's see if this helps. Oh, boy. Yeah, now it's really small. How are you ever going to see that? Eh, we need to make this show better somehow or another. <laughs> Let's see here, because because it's cut off, and if you want to read what they say, is it better to put it like that? You you comment and tell me. You guys are in charge of this show, a little bit. So I could see I can't I could put it over here, and I could block my TV screen, and then my sponsors don't get their plugs. So I'd be better if it were right here. I think this way. You can see what people are saying, and you don't have to look at, at me. So I'm just going to do the show like this. So right now is the time to comment because everybody's going to see what you say. And everybody says that that's just fine. Thanks, Countershocks. And if you want to know how to spell Countershocks, uh, that was Nathan, uh, who was on the show earlier tonight. Uh, that's how you spell it. <laughs> so anyway, actually, right now, this way I can eat. Well, I can't eat and talk at the same time. I could eat my uh, dinner. And uh, you can pinch zoom, pinch to zoom. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on that's really above my pay grade, but this is how it works. So at this time, I've decided that we're going to do a quick commercial break, and I'm going to come back and finish all of the questions I have on the sheets and get to your questions. The defending champion. The all-new Yamaha YZ450F.
What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had, uh, buying parts from anybody before, and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, All of our Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty, and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM, and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and nose meets uh, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. chat says i look great like this so i'll just i'll leave it like this for a little while that way i can kind of finish eating here Mm. doesn't make for good audio though this is a podcast it's a pod show just do it on my uh my free time here Uh, i'll put it back up here somehow or another i'll put it right there i could i know i can fix this actually um yeah, it's not for you guys to worry about. Get back to thing. So somebody says, how do I protect my pinch bolts on the fork axle? What do I use? Uh, bulletproof designs. Um, bolt, bulletproof designs. And then there's other plastic company that makes one, but they don't sponsor the show, so I'm not really going to talk about them. I would, but they should really, you know, because I wouldn't just say that they, yeah, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd tell you that why their stuff is really good. Um, but... The, the good thing about the bulletproof design ones is is I use the ones that do not have the big giant disc protector on it. And if you're a fan of the show, you go back about 20 episodes, you can probably hear me rant about uh, front wheel, front disc protectors. And then yesterday I was riding a bike that had a bent front disc. So just stop it right there. But bulletproof design has some really nice ones that protect the fork lug. And I'm not worried about the pinch bolts. I'm more worried about the bottom of the fork. Because if you whack that right, it's really hard to get the bolt out of the bottom, the the cartridge holding bolt, that big lug that comes out of there makes it pretty difficult. So um, that's the uh, thing. Um, that's good. I can read, and it's not blocking the TV. <laughs> good. Well, make sure that make sure that you you don't type a too long of a question because it runs off the edge of the page. You know how that happens, you know, somehow or another. Okay, back to the thing. Uh, Mike KMET says, Jimmy's getting underserved by George. That last shot was a Canadian-like shot. Short, eh? Well, George tried to overserve me um, on the other show. It didn't work out that well because I talked so much I couldn't drink what he was pouring. 
And tonight, uh, I'm not drinking that. So just having a beer with dinner. And then Chris Schnowit 3060 says, it's Monday night. Because he's referring to when we uploaded the last show onto the YouTubes. Because when I got done with the last show, I took off and went riding or something like that. And evidently, the show doesn't load itself. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, we should talk to you. Should talk to my um, production department. Hey, production department. Somebody wants to know where are the Tech Talk Taco Tuesday T-shirts? They're right here. Uh, right there. This is one. I'll show you the design. If you want to look at it. Actually, I know I can show you the design even better. Probably if I go to. I think this is called a Logan shot. A Logan camera. Oh, Logan camera is dead. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're working on it. Uh, as soon as I get my production department to handle the form to get them processed, and then I talk to the mailing department, we'll work on that. Riders Oregon 4474 says, I don't like ABS on a car. Too many years of driving on ice without it. Now, how that applies to whatever. I think he's talking about us talking about the Cove because uh, it has ABS on it. And that was one of the biggest complaints we had with it. We should take it off. So I believe that's what he's talking about. Low bro brow, low brow 7661 says, yo, how's that YZ125 in the background? Um, he's He's talking about my Tenere video, I believe. And that one, YZ125, is awesome. It's a Yamaha Blue Crew. It's a 2005, and I still rip that thing. And all I just do is keep putting pistons in it and running. I actually put a brand new... I got a carb off of a off of a 23 to uh, put on it. And uh, it really helped, because my carb actually was wearing out. Ask me about how that happens. So that's an awesome bike. Uh, if you're looking for a killer 125, the new Yamaha YZ125, available in vintage colors, kind of like, kind of like this YZ250, but much different. That's the picture I like to hold up because you know Trevor and his boys. He has some guys that think they're rad photo models, and they're not that rad. So got a lot of comments about the helmet. Everybody wanted to know, a how much money did I get paid to wear Biafi helmets? A lot. Uh, the, the old Biafi rep reminded me uh, that, and uh, somebody said that the, uh, the 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 spike on the top of the six day helmet was uh, well, it was Spike that actually said that. He said bad Photoshop work. <laughs> so, uh, what's next? M Munter Munter ten. Uh, this is one of the guys from Australia says. The other dude can barely get a word out. <laughs> and you think he's talking about the Cove video also. And the other dude didn't have anything to say. So I just kept talking. And when I tried to let him talk. Oh, well, it was it's a long story. Watch the video. <laughs> Some people aren't made to be in front of the camera like me. I can talk, but I'm not made to be in front of the camera. On a CRF250F video, oh, it's some user something name, you, you know, auto-generated name. It says, 
They make anything to make them faster. Seems just such a woman's trail bike. <laughs> so, um, I, I commented back to this guy and I said, yeah, you, they make a throttle. It's on the right hand and you turn it farther. I actually have in my possession two of those CRF250Fs, our test bike and one that I bought. And they go plenty fast. We ride, we ride them around on our flat track. They work just fine. So enjoy them while you can. And then when you're when you're when you find the end of the throttle a lot and you want to go faster, get another bike. Don't modify those bikes. Those bikes are fine the way they are. When you're working with play bikes, like unless you're working with like kid mini bikes, you're modifying it just to be cool. Do not modify a CRF 250F, the family one. Don't modify a TTR 230. Don't modify Kawasaki's KLR 250, 230, whatever. Don't modify them. Ride them and then get a better bike and then sell it and let somebody else go through the same process. Just buy, you can buy a 10 year old used motocross or used off road bike and you are in way better shape because the performance is going to be incredible. You're going to, you're going to pay probably what you could sell your current bike for. You're probably going to learn a little bit about fixing and modifying and the difference between a high performance bike and a low performance bike is the amount of maintenance and the parts that it, that it costs, but it's nothing near what the internet would have you believe. Most of those bikes will run forever. As long as you keep the oil fresh and change the air filter when you need to, and don't sit it on the rev limiter. That's it. So hopefully that uh, anything, any suggestions about changing sprocket says FT ready. Uh, yes, use DDC, DDC chain wheels. Uh, good sponsor of the show. Uh, Delaney Drive Components. They make stainless steel last forever sprockets. I know they have a warranty. I've never worn one out, and and I have a lot of bikes and been using them forever. Yeah, so use DDC stuff. He he actually sells a whole. He'll sell you a whole kit like chain and sprocket. They're matched chains and sprockets and stuff. That's probably the best thing. That's the best suggestion I can give you, off the top of my head. But I actually did a tech tip the other day, uh, that I need to publish. But it's like one of those things I went riding instead. You when you're when you're changing the chain out when you when you take your chain apart the one you're taking off. When you have your new chain, so you don't get your fingers all greasy, just take the, the the old chain where it's broken, pop the master link in there, connect them together, and pull on the old chain and pull it through, and you get it all the way through the, the thing, and that way you don't have to f f wheedle it through the, the counter shaft sprocket around the guards and everything like that. It goes right through the chain guide. You just zip on and off. That was a trick that I uh, had practiced. I never had to do it because I never had to change a a chain during like a six days and ISD and stuff. But if I had to, that's how I was going to do it. So just save a little bit of time and get your fingers less greasy. So Ron Wielder says, where can you get one of those badass TTT t-shirts? Um, you will be able to get it here in an undisclosed amount of time. And if you ask uh, Mark, um, Mark Daniels, who's a longtime uh, favorite favorite uh, guest, uh, not a guest, a uh, a friend of the show. He's been on before. He was he came to the one in uh, that we did at Rottweiler Performance. He will tell you that you may wait a while, but you will get your shirt. So just don't spend that twenty bot twenty or twenty five bucks or whatever. Don't spend it on some other 
goofy shirt from some other ding dong podcast or something like that. Um, we'll get, we're getting it. We're, they're coming. Then you can wear it out to all your favorite events. So I'm wearing a Bulletproof Designs t-shirt. Uh, by the way, good sponsor of the show. I need to get some stuff from Bulletproof Designs. I will be, I actually tried to call Nate today. I want to see if you want to come on the show as well. So uh, Bulletproof Designs, protection stuff. Uh, Christmas is coming. He needs at least a dozen. Oh, Ron, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm on it. Hey, when I get done with this event, this event's been literally taking up way more of my time than I ever imagined because we had we had a whole course and then we had these crazy um, these floods, you know, that hurricane that came through, and then we had thunder showers a week after. And I kid you not, it wiped out the desert. There's places where there used to be roads that you would never know that there was ever a road ever. And this includes a major, a couple of major highways. And so we had to re we had to do a year's worth of, well, nine months worth of work in two or three weeks. And that's, uh, that's what we've been uh, trying to do. So anyways, Nate isn't with Bulletproof Designs anymore. Oh, didn't know that. Okay. I knew he was out riding in Idaho last time I called there. <laughs> so maybe that means he's not there. I'll have to check in. Um, Morgan, it's been a while. Good to see you. You are going to be in Mexico for the thousand. No, I will not be in Mexico for the thousand. Maybe the Mexican, Nora Mexican 1000, but evidently there's a new boss at Nora, one Robbie Gordon. And I don't know that uh, I haven't been told whether I get to come back and do it or not. Um, I need to ask. Because sometimes they just expect, sometimes people just expect you're going to show up. But I need to start working on that thing too. Um, so it's like a bull that won't move. What's that? <laughs> Gregory? Oh, have you ever had an animal issue during a race? Uh, I've had a couple close calls animal issues, but never, I had pre-running. I've had, uh, wait, in the thousand no, you know what? One year I I had a I hit a cow and it shit on me during. Uh, I I thought I hit a rock, but the rocks don't shit. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, back to the questions on the sheet. I'm gonna get through these tonight. I gotta I gotta go driving. So, anyways, uh, we're back to HH six H three four whatever electric for all my pumps. Why run it off the motor? Cars have been doing this for years for efficiency. So we have a video. I think we talked about it in Tech Talk. Somebody made a short out of it where we talk about uh, some of the Supercross teams and different uh, uh, teams running electric water pumps instead of water pumps off of the, uh, you know, th driven through whether it's the, the cam or through the clutch or however it is. Um, and we, we, we just kind of broke it down. I mean, do you really need to? I mean what are you trying to get out of your motorcycle? And if you're trying to get 10 tenths out of your motorcycle at a supercross, maybe that little bit of drag that, that, that would put on, I don't really know how much drag it'd be interesting. So I'm sure somebody can tell you there's a reason why they do it, but I think they do it more to, to optimize the temperature than actually friction loss or however, whatever you would call it. Um, so that's my take on it. Uh, don't believe me. What do I know? I'm just a hack, washed up internet. I'm an inner influencer ish person. Grass Upper says Mark Dennis. You must develop patents to get your t shirt. Oh, develop patience to get your t shirt, as they say, 
Manana, not tomorrow, but it will get to you soon. Thanks, Mark. They do show up, though. They will. They will. They will show up. Uh, eventually. It's. It's not on my. It's. I would. I would like to have priorities. <laughs> like, I do have a priority. I'm going to go riding. <laughs> Next, uh, on the KX250F video... Oh, no. We have one. TJ Bark says, The foot peg thing seems like a major oversight on KTM's part. And he's talking about the KTM 390. Man, I tell you what. If there's one part that that manufacturers do overlook, and it's not just KTM, because even Yamaha on the Tenere 700, if there's something that I bitched about on the Tenere 700, straight away was the foot, foot pegs. And they do it because... I don't know why they do it. I really don't. Uh, it's a co- you know it's a it's a way to save a few bucks. And on the adventure bikes, you know they they put rubber things in them and they're they're slippery. Luckily, some of them you can take them out and then you have a sort of a normal foot peg. But they're always really small. But then it fits in a crate because the foot pegs are actually the widest part on a motorcycle. And then if they can actually install those at the factory, it's one less thing for the prep have to do because bikes used to come without the foot pegs and actually putting a foot peg on is more difficult than uh, most assembly guys are capable of doing in my experience. (laughs) So, but, um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's just a cost, cost point price point thing. And, and the good thing is there's a really good aftermarket for this. Um, so I replace a lot of the foot pegs, bolt proof designs make some awesome foot pegs, by the way, just saying, um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's on a lot of bikes, not just, uh, not just the KTM 390 is what he was talking about. KX250FX, nubs with guns, 1538 says. If this is what you want, don't be a... And he does an R with a bunch of asterisks and a D. And buy a 250F in the first place. And so he, there's some misspellings in there. Except for the R and D. And I don't know what that word is. But... Maybe it's a bad word. So I checked with Nubs with guns, and he plays guitars, and he rides one of those. Um, he rides a, uh, uh, I don't even, the, the bike you buy at Tractor Supply with the Briggs & Stratton motor in it, the ones they use at the Gambler, the the little, he rides one of those, and he's mad at us because <laughs> I don't know what we talked about. We must have wanted more power or something. I don't know. <laughs> don't buy a 250. Yet. Maybe we wanted less. Maybe I don't know how he got in. I don't know how he found us because we haven't done a test on that particular bike just yet. Steven Sand says, what are your favorite grips? Um, that's an interesting question on, on, on my bikes that I ride, like long distance, dual sport rally, you know, stuff, um, adventure bikes. I'm running the phone grip, foam grips. Like I did on my rally uh, bike, they're pro grip, uh, foam grips, uh, super, super awesome. Uh, hard as hell to install, but, really awesome check out my Tenere video I talk about the I talk about the grips in that video I show you and you can see where I like it was really hard to install you can see where I messed up a little bit with the glue but nobody gave me a hard time yet I was waiting for someone to get but they're on all my like the bikes I use for rally training and if I'm going to do like if I if I put a five gallon tank on a bike it generally gets a foam grip so I use those but I do not like them for doing motocross or like hard enduro and stuff there I'm I'm, I like the the ODI makes um, their clamp on grips. I really like those. AME, which is a grip company, they're local here in Vegas. They they have some really nice grips that are. Um, they add some clamp ons too. 
Um, they had heated clamp-on grips that were really bitching. But grips are a personal preference, uh, and it's it's just like anything. Uh, you know, I have a small hand. Um, don't judge. I have a really small hand, so I like a really small diameter grip. I don't like a lot of waffles or any patterns that rub on my uh, kind of on my uh, palm or on my kind of uh, I don't know what this part of your hand is. What, what do they call that part where your your fingers start? Palm. Well, the palm's down here, but there's got to be something here where my calluses are from all the other stuff that I do. Yeah. Did really, Robert? The word was retarded? Don't be retarded and buy a 250F in the first... Well, maybe he's talking about uh, knocking your ignition back to get less throttle response if he said retarded. Because that's what I use retarded for. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't play good. I'm not good at that game, whatever. Name this word. Uh, Mark Daniels, T-shirts are not the priority in life. Tequila. Well, yes, that is. Um, I'm actually trying to decide whether to take. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to take to Rebel Rally? Because we all, we, everybody, all the staff, um, we always kind of take a little surprise something for when we have uh, downtime to celebrate. I think I'm going to take my my whiskey I got in Mexico that was, that was uh, barreled in tequila barrels. So I have a whiskey that was made in Mexico and it was made in tequila barrels. And it's actually really, really good. Uh, the name eludes me uh, right now. It's over there. I can, I can almost smell it. Um, so that's what I'm going to bring. Uh, so ODIs are Mark's favorite grips. Um, and when is the next T7 blog? It's, it's coming. <laughs> It's right behind my WR250 test and my TTR230 riding impression and my WR450 modification. It's right there in line with those videos, but that requires that I sit down and stare at a screen, and I'm not very good at that, even though that's what I'm sort of doing right now, but I only do it for two hours, and then I take off. I mean, it might even make two hours tonight. I'm getting getting a little fried. The grip company in Las Vegas, uh, that's AME, A-M-E. Um, a guy named Bob Rutten, uh, who was a, a Baja racer, a super cool guy, uh, worked there, was doing all their stuff. So AME Grips, they they had some pretty cool stuff. Um, let's see. Next question. On the Tenere 700, speaking of that, says, Jimmy, I'm watching your show after it was live. I have some Tenere info to share in reference to the herky-jerky off-idle situation. And this is D.D. Kessler, 14-14-1. Says, I, the first thing I did was put a 16 tooth sprocket on it as I thought the first gear was useless. I also did this to relax the motor at highway speeds. This helped with the herky jerky situation, but it wasn't perfect. As time went on, I noticed the low speed throttle roll on was improving. Thinking about this and knowing the bike had a wide band O2 sensor, I theorized that it was correcting the AFR at off idle settings. That was the 2,000 mile mark. Since then, I drive in the upper gears at low throttle settings, running the engine in the 2,000 to 4,000 RPM range. I now over, have over 11,000 miles on the bike and have forgotten that it had this initial glitch. Now it transitions off aisle smooth as butter. Other than adding the 16 tooth sprocket, my bike is stock. So that's interesting. I wonder if, you know, I what I'm trying to think is, is did you learn how to ride it so that that wasn't problematic anymore? Or did the bike like break in or age in a way that mellowed out? 
Um, so that would be an interesting thing to know. I, I, so I know, and this is, I'm struggling still. So I put the G2 throttle tube on it. It, it's a more aggressive throttle and in a lot of ways it helped, but in certain situations it made that, that bog worse. So we were talking about this on the last show that I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to do some really detailed stuff so I can explain where it's at. Cause it seemed like, it seemed like it was off idle and and then I started doing it. If if I didn't chop the throttle down to zero throttle position, it doesn't happen. So, and I noticed that it wasn't happening as much. Without even thinking about it, I quit return. I probably quit returning the throttle all the way to zero position. So if I turned it down to like you know two percent throttle, which is almost shut, and then came back on, it doesn't happen. But if I went back down to zero and then came back on, it did. So I don't know. I have to, before, I can complain about something, but before I go try to get it fixed, I have to know exactly what it's doing. And I want to talk to the guy who mapped my ACU, and and then, but I need to give him some specific information so he has something to work with. Uh, and then I can actually map my ECU. And so I will try some things because I know a couple tricks too, but I think it might be a little bit deeper. Like we talked about, there's probably a correction going on with the O2 sensor. And this is probably meeting like Euro 5 emission standards, which is ridiculously lean. And it's so hard to get that kind of throttle response. You know, the, the basically it, it can't be dirty. That's the, that's the, that's the thing. And you can add fuel, but it's really easy to kind of go the other way. And it may come down to the, the, the cat. Cause this is something I starting to notice even on this twin cylinder bike or even on other bikes that, that have cats, this is kind of a symptomatic thing of, of cats that, they, you know, when you have a catalytic converter on a motorcycle, it, it does something. And I don't know if it, you know, kind of gets dirty and it kind of plugs up or just, you know, it's doing something different affects the, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I just ride dirt bikes and twist throttles. So there we go. I'm going to go back to the question. Do you notice the unsprung weight difference between aluminum rear and something like super sprocks, a uh, steel rear sprocket? Eh, no, not really. I mean, you know, I, I, I take that back because I know in the past when we've taken Yamaha WRs and they have a heavy, they used to have a really heavy steel sprocket on it and you went to an aluminum sprocket, it, it got better. And I haven't noticed this much lately. I run mostly stainless steel sprockets, which are kind of halfway between aluminum and uh, the other ones. And a fly just fell into my beer. I think it got drunk and died. Now I hear him buzzing around in there. That guy just took half of my beer away from me because I'm not going to drink a fly. Maybe I will. We'll see. We'll see how the show goes. It's getting to that point. Robert Lambert says, why does the 22, 2022-450X have a bigger throttle body compared to the 450RX? Um, because Honda thought that that was the best setting for it. <laughs> um, bigger is not always better. And a good guy that was amazing at tuning motorcycles and knew a lot about it, uh, Dave Miller, back in the day was a big fan of smaller carburetors, especially on small bikes. Uh, 
And I think it came down to he knew where you were riding and he knew where what throttle response meant. So I don't know. Maybe the Honda found that they were getting better performance. I mean, on a 450, it's you don't need power. You need drivability. And that's uh, probably that. I don't know that they're different. I didn't know that they were different. So that's uh, that's kind of news to me. But I don't really pay attention to the specs. I just ride them and report how they work. Ron wants to know, what is your favorite sprocket combo on the 500 EXC? Um, Ron, I am running 99% of the times I'm running 1450 using a DDC uh, rear chain wheel. Um, and usually the stock sprocket still starts wearing out. And then I get something from Nate over at DDC. But what's funny is just the other day for my bike that I'm using for Rebel, which is mostly like, you know, roads. I went up to a 15. I went 1550 because I wanted to just relax that motor. And it's kind of funny how much it really does change the character of that bike. And then, you know, now when I'm cruising along in sixth gear, it's at a really low RPM. So that's, uh, let's see. Uh, and then Mark says 1448 for Baja and 1547 for wide open Baja. Yeah, tight stuff, 1450. Yeah, and most of the time I'm happy with 1450. I don't really ever go up to the bigger ones like that 15 uh, because, like, in reality, if you're talking about acceleration and stuff, it just spreads the gaps out a little bit much on, on that particular bike. Um, for the for the tight stuff, you have to kind of wait to shift where ordinarily you could kind of make the shift early and the bike will pull it. This one, you kind of have to run it a little bit high on the RPMs to pull the, the next gear, in my opinion. So, yeah, 1450. Uh, I run 1452 um, a lot of times as well, but that kind of speaks to the type of riding that I'm doing where it's a lot of first gear stuff and I just want to not worry about it. Back to the questions. TWD Stroke says here's a question maybe for the next show what are some tips for us younger guys to make sure we keep riding when we are well into the silver fox years don't crash and get hurt it's number one uh, um um keep it fun i you know i i raced for a living and, and i managed to keep it fun i i the only reason i raced I mean, I wanted to race, but when I got good at racing, the only reason I raced is to get free motorcycles, to be able to keep doing it. The racing wasn't nearly as fun as just riding was for me. Racing was work. It was a job, and uh, that's why I got paid for it. But, um, yeah, just keep it keep it fun. Um, don't be afraid to experiment with different genres of racing. You know, just because you're doing motocross doesn't mean you can't go for a trail ride. doesn't mean that an adventure bike isn't in your future. doesn't mean that you might like trying something like hardened or riding mini bikes or doing flat track or road bikes, even if you want like crazy, you can do like motorcycles are pretty fun. I had a lot of, a lot of fun. And, uh, D Kessler, uh, responded cause he's 71. He says he feels qualified to answer. If you were a competitive rider in your younger years, you have to be willing to accept that you're not going to be as fast as you get older. Man, that's a great one. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, man, you have no idea how fast I think I am. Uh, but it's true. If you can't accept this and push, you will end up hurting yourself and then most likely you want to quit. Again, back to don't quit. 
After that, it's just keeping yourself in shape and ride frequently to keep your skills on honed. This coming from a guy who raced competitively in his 50s and learned the hard way that you just aren't as fast as you used to be. Now I ride recreationally almost daily, along with mountain biking and hiking with his dog. That's awesome. That's, you know, I I want to be riding when I'm 71. <laughs> I uh, I really, I, I, I have not found anything that gives me the same joy and satisfaction that dirt bikes do. So I agree with everything he said, and I still, uh, to this day, some of my older buddies and some of them, unfortunately... Uh, aren't riding anymore uh, they're they've just uh they're they're born on date <laughs> I, they, they want to uh, and but it's funny to see how much they miss it but the same thing like man if i wouldn't got hurt so much when i was younger <laughs> these these come through uh but anyways uh ride with better riders challenge yourself uh i don't don't take chances but yeah challenge yourself I know what you can do. You come take my school. If you take it at a younger age, you're going to learn how to ride more efficiently, have more fun, be more higher skilled, and then the riding becomes fun. This is one thing that for me, like when I go riding, in because I, I do I do get to do other sports with guys that are really good at other things. Let's say skiing or snowboarding. I get to ride with guys that are awesome at that stuff. And I want to do what they're doing. And I realize that I haven't been practicing this my whole life. I just do it recreationally. And yeah, I want to do what they're doing. So when, when I'm riding and I realize how much effort I put in at practice, I really cherish the, the, the time I get to do it and how easy some of it is for me. That's really difficult for, you know, other people, but you look back and it's like, yeah, you put work into this. That's why it's it's easier. That's why you know some of the stuff that you know. Uh, that's why you can do some of the things that you do. Like you probably, you know, everybody here does something that they're very good at. And they've been probably been doing it for a long time and they don't even think about it. And unfortunately for a lot of people, that's what they do for work. I'm lucky because this is what I get to do for work. I still really enjoy it. And, and I like, yeah, I challenge myself, but now I kind of, now I, the limit is very clear. I know where the limit is. So I uh, kind of keep that in mind. Um, Gregory says, I'm 65 now. And I saw the guy was 85 still riding. I decided the only way to keep riding at that age is to pace better, not race better. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't race much. Uh, and even when I do, I don't, I try not to really race, because that was the one thing that I did learn, especially with my injuries, my wrists and stuff like that, is that, like, I don't know how to turn that off to a certain extent. And and you just forget what you're doing. You just go into that, like, attack, kill, crush, destroy mode. And that's not good. So I try to, you know, try to take, take it easy when I race, even though, if, and as I'm getting older... Something I've learned is the more relaxed I am when I'm racing, the, the smoother I am, the actually the faster I go. And 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 I this is what I was practicing back in the day was how to go faster with keeping the heart rate down and the energy level low because then you could always go faster if you needed to, but you know, and then kind of know where the limit is. So anyways, I think we've wrapped up our uh, all of our questions from what I can tell here. Yes we have. 
I'd like to thank our sponsors again. These sponsors of the show, they're throwing us a little dough and supporting us so that you can get some of this information. My name is Jimmy Lewis. I'm a washed-up ex-motorcycle racer telling you that you should uh, ride till you get old, uh, twist the throttle farther when you need more power, and... Maybe get a counter shocks on your bike because it'll give you more traction on the front wheel if that's what you're looking for. So again, thanks to uh, Nate Nathan Looney for coming on, talking about the counter shock. Uh, thanks for everybody that's joining into the chat. Thanks for all the comments. Tell a friend, all you guys in Australia with your wonky YouTube channels that are commenting on us, like, I'm going to come down there. You know, you're safe. I'm not coming down there. I'm just going to flush more stuff down the toilet at you. So <laughs> with that, everybody, we will see you uh, out. Oh, hey, next week, no show. Unless George wants to Instagram it live on the the tubes, the use or whatever heck goes on. Just follow me on the, follow me everywhere. Sign up for my school and uh, have a great ride. See you out on the trail. Cheers. If you liked what you saw in this video, come check us out over at dirtbiketest.com on the webs. We have bike tests product tests, a lot of fresh dirt, and you can even support us by clicking through our links. Hopefully we'll see you out in the trail.